electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. The lawsuit shaking up credit card C-suites, how MindGeek's illegal pornography and the payment tools that enable it could shift an entire industry. We're hearing from the investor who brought it to the forefront of business news, Bill Ackman. The ultimate regulator is actually Visa, right? Visa tomorrow could shut down MindGeek. And more from Ackman, the Pershing Square billionaire's take on the recession debate and how we can dig ourselves out of inflation. I totally agree that we are not in a recession right now. And if we are smart about how we manage interest rate policy, kill inflation, and the economy can continue to succeed. Plus, China saber-rattling. If Pelosi visits, the U.S. will, quote, pay the price. As House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is set to visit Taiwan. If President Biden hadn't sort of said, I don't think she should go, I don't know whether China, maybe they saw that as kind of an opening. It's Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand under by in three, two, one, two, Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kern. Just the boys this morning, but uh, we've got a lot going on this morning. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi reportedly preparing to visit Taiwan. That trip coming at a time when U.S.-China relations are the poorest they've been in a very long time, raising some questions about whether the White House agrees with this trip. And for that, we're going to go to Elon Moy in Washington this morning. Elon. Well, Andrew, the White House wants this debate to be about China, not about Pelosi. So it's trying to preemptively place the blame on Beijing for any escalation ahead of her reported visit. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters yesterday that her trip would not represent a change in policy if it happens. The U.S. does not support Taiwan's independence and opposes any unilateral change to the status quo from either side. Beijing's actions could have unintended consequences that only serve to increase tensions. Meanwhile, our actions are not threatening, and they break no new ground. We will not take the bait or engage in saber-rattling. Still, the White House appeared to distance itself from Pelosi's plans. She did not speak with the president about the trip before heading to Asia. And Kirby said it's her prerogative to go. She makes her own decisions. Well, this morning, Pelosi tweeted this photo of her stop in Kuala Lumpur. She spoke with leaders there about shared security interests, economic priorities and climate. Her public schedule also includes South Korea and Japan. But guys, no high-level government official has visited Taiwan since 1997. And uh, this is uh, the news that um, I think folks had been either worried about on one end or cheering on the other. Well, not, not cheering. Uh, it's a weird sequence the way it happened, it, it, you know, where Congress is allowed. Executive branch do not vis- visit Taiwan, but it, it's not unheard of for, for Congressman. She's been there before. Uh, other Congress, you know, yep. they've been to Taiwan quite a bit. Uh, the speaker hasn't been there for 25 years since Newt Gingrich. But once, I, I don't, if President Biden hadn't sort of said, I don't think she should go, I don't know whether 
China then would have, maybe they saw that as kind of an opening to, well, we can wedge ourselves between uh, President Biden and, and Speaker Pelosi, both you know, leading Democrats, top Democrats. I, right. I don't know, it's, it's all very, the journal's piece today kind of bellicose to some extent, Andrew, Andrew, in that it says that when President Biden recently has said we would defend Taiwan, and then it's been walked back by uh, by people yep. in the administration. By or staffers. There's been, yeah, mm -hmm. there's been no change in the in the one China policy. But if there were, if they really do, I don't know, stop or plane or do something like that, then it, it might force the hand that they don't. It doesn't seem like Taiwan reunification at that point is going to be a planned, right. orderly, peaceful thing. It looks like they may take it upon themselves to do it, and then people are saying we need to actually. Act, not, not act on it, but, but make it policy what President Biden has said on three occasions. This is the story, and it's affecting financial markets, the, the, uh, the Taiwan story, Andrew. One hundred percent. And why don't we go and bring Eunice Yoon into this conversation right now. She's in Beijing this morning, her evening, of course, to get more reaction from China Eunice, what are you hearing on the ground? Well, most people across Asia at this point are just waiting and watching to see whether or not uh, Speaker Pelosi is going to touch down in Taiwan today. Now, the, the Taiwan media say that while she's in Taipei, uh, Speaker Pelosi is going to be meeting with President Tsai Ing-wen. She will be visiting other government officials, and then she'll discuss human rights with local activists, including some who've come from Hong Kong. Uh, meanwhile, of course, China sees Pelosi's visit as a challenge to its national sovereignty because uh, China claims Taiwan as its own. Uh, the foreign ministry today uh, said that if Pelosi visits, the U.S. will, quote, pay the price. Now, we're already getting a little bit of a sense of how Beijing um, could react. Uh, Taiwan officials have said that Chinese fighter jets have uh, flown very close to the median line in the Taiwan Strait. A Chinese state media have been quoting a military official an expert saying that the PLA is preparing for all scenarios, including a local conflict turning into a comprehensive confrontation. And then there is some economic pressure that we're starting to see on Taiwan companies. Uh, China has said that it's exporting, that it's banning um, exports from 100 Taiwan food suppliers. They're not saying that it's because of the Pelosi visit, instead citing uh, some problems with import documentation, but most people believe that these two situations are linked. Guys? Hey, before, before you go, help us with this. You know, there's a lot of a debate in the United States, obviously, about whether she should go, but oftentimes the conversation turns in not whether she should go, but the timing of this visit, given the politics of the moment in China, given, given President Xi's own future. Can you just contextualize that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was supposed to be coming out here in April. Of course, she caught COVID. Um, even at that time, Beijing wasn't happy about it. But we're kind of getting closer and closer to a very important political event in China. In the fall, the political leadership is expected to have a reshuffle. A President Xi Jinping is supposed to be, is expected to get a third unprecedented term. Uh, so uh, because of that, uh, he needs to be seen as a very strong leader. And so you have that dynamic going on where uh, that the calculation is that he needs to show the public here that China is strong and will stand up to the Americans. And then other problems that uh, the Chinese are currently having to deal with is that British lawmakers are now reportedly talking about coming to visit Taiwan at the end of the year. And there are, might be other Western leaders who would be emboldened 
to visit Taiwan later this year. And that's the exact scenario that China would not want to see. You know, that's that's what I'm trying to figure out is is how President Xi would appear. I don't know uh, to the entire planet. Would he, wouldn't he appear uh, stronger if there was calm before this and he's a he's a sober leader that realizes China is in its ascendancy or does he actually use it as an opportunity to divert attention from from some of the domestic problems like a slowing economy and the COVID lockdowns and the real estate bubble all these things were mentioned in the journal that he could stir up some nationalist fervor in anticipation of it. I, but for me, it seems like it's his third, you know, this isn't his first uh, trip around the block. This is his third uh, time that he's going to be appointed. And at that point, I would think he'd want to be seen as sort of a stable, mature, wise leader and have calm before before this happens. I don't, I, what do you think? Well, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to say. I mean, obviously, President Xi is going to want to look very strong. Um, but if he does take, as you're suggesting, possibly a calculated bet that he wants to, you know, go ahead and and uh, make a, maybe have some some military move on on Taiwan or something like that, then he also has to think about the detrimental effect that yeah. that could have on on China. So, you know, he is he does have to manage this um, economic situation, which is currently not going very well. Um, the relationship with the U.S. is kind of in the doldrums. Um, he's not being seen as um, the best when it comes to zero COVID. A lot of people very frustrated, even though they don't necessarily talk about it publicly. So he's he's kind of managing a situation which is very difficult. So he wants to make sure that he projects himself as strong but doesn't put China in a situation where the, um, the, the you know, the, the economy and, and society uh, starts to turn on him, ultimately, and on the Chinese Communist Party. Right. Eunice Yun in Beijing this morning. Thank you for breaking it down for us. Appreciate it. Joe? Hi, thanks, Andrew. Coming up, Twitter, Twitter report. Yeah, uh, as a state, does he care about being a statesman? Uh, Andrew, that's what I, I would think that that, for me, that's the way I'd handle it. Wouldn't you? It's, uh, I mean, we're not. Oh, I think he, he, and by the way, maybe this is, he's going to be forced to handle it as a statesman in this moment. Right. You know, my view about this is, is sort of the priority of when you decide to pick your fights. And, you know, is right. this one of these well, moments too late, where we're doing it, it just it, for, it, it, just it, for. Kind of, right, but it's too and, late. And, right? You but agree the relationship it's too, it, it, is, it's the, too late for her to back down. Maybe, but the situation in China is I think there's a um, the human sort of dynamic of respect is, is considered super important. Now, I know that a lot of people don't respect the Chinese, but I, I do think that at, if you're trying to have a relationship, um, recognizing that they're different cultures and the like, but I know if I say these things, I'm going to be uh, described as some kind of, you know, panda-hugging something or other. I don't know. But I don't know. They're pretty cute. I mean, it's hard It's hard not to. And the Cincinnati Zoo has had great uh, success over the years with, uh, with, with pet. I know a little bit about that. Next on Squawk Pod, a hard look at corporate accountability. Hedge fund investor Bill Ackman is furious at Visa for working with an internet giant known to have hosted child pornography. A board has an obligation to have a monitoring system in place to make sure that that product or service is not causing harm. He took to Twitter, and now he's on Squawk Box with Justice Defense Fund founder Layla Micklewaite. PayPal immediately withdrew their services from MyGeek completely. Heinz and Unilever uh, has disengaged with them. Every Actually, every legitimate corporation has stopped doing business with MindGeek, but Visa persists. That conversation is right after this.
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. And this next conversation is about the shocking legal case against Pornhub's parent company, MindGeek, and Visa. A warning before you listen to this, we delve into the disturbing world of child exploitation and sex trafficking. Yesterday on this podcast, we brought you a discussion with the attorney representing a woman suing MindGeek for posting explicit videos of her recorded when she was just 13 years old. The legal crux of this story is the allegation that Visa was aware of illegal and underage pornography on MindGeek's Pornhub site, continued to offer its payment tools and services to the company anyway, and then brought upon itself liability in any crime. A U.S. District Court judge has denied Visa's request to be removed from the lawsuit. So key players in this story are MindGeek, the CEO of Visa, Al Kelly, and Bill Ackman, the famed hedge funder and short seller whose outraged tweet storm over the weekend brought the story to the top of our own anchor news feeds. Here's Andrew. In a statement to CNBC, a Visa spokesperson said, this pretrial ruling is disappointing and mischaracterizes Visa's role in its policies and practices. Visa will not tolerate the use of our network for illegal activity. Joining us now to talk about all of this in an exclusive interview is Bill Ackman, CEO of Pershing Square. He has taken a vocal stance against Visa and MindGeek over this lawsuit. And Lila Micklewaite, an activist and founder of the Justice Defense Fund. Thank you for joining us uh, to talk about what is an immensely important story, uh, both when it comes to child pornography, but also to the role that financial services companies, in this case, Visa, may have played in it. Uh, Bill, I want to start with you because you've been very vocal online about this and you've also been working behind the scenes related to it. Um, Where does your interest in this uh, come from? And and tell us about how it began. My interest comes from the fact I have four daughters. And uh, I read this article that Nick Kristof had uh, written in The Times describing uh, how MindGeek and its companion sites, Pornhub, operates and the harm it's caused and uh, the horror uh, of it all. And uh, one of the centerpieces of the article is how the business persists because it's funded or the the payments are funded through the Visa and MasterCard uh, network. And what shocked me was, you know, the the network is, you know, it's one of the greatest businesses uh, in the world, owning the pipes that uh, convey commerce and taking a little royalty on every payment that goes through. But a key part of their business is, you know, Visa's job, if you think about it, is maintaining brand integrity. You know, this is one of the most important brands in the world. When people put a Visa card or a MasterCard or American Express card out of their wallet, what drives them is the power and the quality of the brand. If you think about the most important risks 
to that brand reputational risk, regulatory risk. Um, but remarkably, uh, the company, despite being entirely aware that there's child pornography on these sites and it's littered with child pornography, they continue to provide payment services until the Kristoff article. And then they, they shut down the sites overnight, which would have bankrupted them. And then within a matter of weeks, they reauthorized the merchants and they started accepting payments again. And, and the crime continues. And, uh, you know, there've been, uh, you know, political, there've been hearings in Canada, around the world, people doing their best to shut down these companies. And the ultimate regulator is actually Visa, right? Visa tomorrow could shut down MindGeek. We had a court decision that came down on Friday where it was very, very clear that the judge is extremely concerned with the behavior of Visa. And yet Visa continues to provide, provide payment services to Pornhub and, uh, you know, advertising that takes place on Pornhub, premium services, you know, the, 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 the wheels of commerce of child trafficking are being, um, you look at, I'm not making up the language, look at the judge's decision. It's really remarkable. Lila, you have been uh, fighting this cause for a very long time. You've been in touch with Visa. You've brought your concerns to them uh, directly. There have been emails and other documentation uh, about this. What has been the reaction that you've gotten from Visa? Yeah, I mean, Visa has known about this for a very, very long time, as you said, not only from my own personal communications, uh, all the way up to CEO level executives and VPs, um, but also through the news. I mean, egregious cases of child rape uh, proliferating in the news cycle. They were very aware that this has been going on. I mean, even as early as 2019, as the London uh, Sunday Times did an investigation of Pornhub, and they found within minutes dozens of videos of illegal content, including children as young as three years old. When that was in the news, PayPal immediately withdrew their services from MyGeek completely. Heinz and Unilever uh, has disengaged with them. Every Actually, every legitimate corporation has stopped doing business with MindGeek, but Visa persists and they have persisted. Um, they have refused to disengage from this company, essentially, as the judge said, continuing to give them the tools through which they complete their crimes of child trafficking and the distribution and monetization of child pornography. And it's unacceptable. And to this day, I'll tell you, before I got on this show, I went and checked, again, within minutes, dozens of videos that would constitute trafficking, rape, completely blatantly non-consensual content. And I could take my Visa card this moment and I could go purchase ads, 4.6 billion ad impressions on Pornhub every day that Visa enables to be monetized, that actually advertise, monetize, and commercialize the torture and the immortalization of the torture because these videos they're downloaded, they're re-uploaded. Victims say, my trauma will live on after I'm dead. The harm is so serious. I could take my visa, I could purchase an ad to make sure that video will continue to be monetized and continue to proliferate on the internet. And Al Kelly needs to stop and he needs to disengage. Then he needs to implement policies that would prevent this from happening in the future. What does that mean? Just like uh, credit card companies have anti-money laundering policies. They need anti-child exploitation and trafficking policies that say we will not do business with user-generated porn sites unless they reliably verify the age and the unambiguous consent 
of every individual in every video. And that is what will ultimately halt this exploitation. Bill, uh, you have said online just in the past 72 hours, effectively, that you believe that there could be huge liability for Visa as a company, for the board um, and the board members individually, and for Al Kelly uh, personally, potentially even criminally. Why do you say that? Uh, sure. Really, there are two forms of liability here. There's sort of the traditional breach of fiduciary duty, right? The When a company has a product or service that can cause harm, and the, the cases are the cases of listeria with, you know, uh, soup or jam or something like this, a, a board has an obligation to have a monitoring system in place to make sure that that product or service is not causing harm. In this case, of course, the payment system being used for illegal activity, which is enabling uh, child uh, trafficking. That's something the board needs to pay very close atten attention to. They don't have that system in place and they're not properly monitoring that risk. They're exposed to what's called care mark liability, a case ultimately went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court found that boards of directors have personal liability for not having such you know, sort of systems in place. So either they have a system in place or they don't. If they don't, and they're, uh, <clears throat> they don't, they've got sort of the care mark liability. If they do have a system in place and they understand what's going on, then they have criminal liability for, for being aware of and facilitating the payments that enable child trafficking. And there is a uh, you know, criminal statute for this. Obviously, the, uh, the government and does not allow this kind of conduct. And the payment rails that enable this, this uh, conduct uh, you know, create criminal liability for the CEO. I mean... Lila, as you can tell, is a fierce advocate. She's not afraid to reach out to people in power. Uh, she shared with me emails she sent to the company. She's been dealing with you know, the executive vice president of you know, global brand reputation and security. I mean, you know, the highest level right. people in the company who report to the CEO. And, and uh, you know, what I find particularly, I would say, abhorrent here is if you read the, the Visa annual report and you read the, you know, the letter to shareholders, again, another example of a company what I would call it virtue signaling, talking about how they care about communities, how they care about empowering sort of uh, economically disadvantaged people. And maybe they, you know, they say that in writing, but the, here's a way to think about the, the worst harm, economic, physical, mental harm you can in, in, uh, impact upon a human being. It's having a, a child trafficked, uh, you know, and having their, their uh, video of their rape appear. I mean, it's, it's hard to even talk about. Hey, uh, and I find hey, it, I just, hey, it makes no, any board member of this board who hasn't read that uh, court decision, by the way, this is not, you know, this is, this is a judge that Joe Kernan would like. This is an extremely conservative judge. Uh, this is a very narrowly written decision. He, he's not saying that he's an, is responsible for anything that takes place. You know, someone once goes and buys a gun using a visa card. He's not saying that visa is liable. What he's saying is, they are the known accessory to a crime because they know they've known or should have known that uh, this uh, various mind geek websites that this activity is taking place today, right? right? And you know, I I, I don't, don't want to look myself, so, so Lila can do can do her thing, but take a look hey, at hey, what's going on here, Bill. Uh, just just to uh, put it all on the table here from a disclosure perspective, given that there have been questions about. Uh, statements you have made over the years and potential stock investments. Do sure. you have a short position, a long position in anything related to this in Visa, MasterCard, American no. Express, uh, any type of retailer that you think would either benefit uh, or get hurt from this in some way that I can't even be, that I that I don't even know about. Absolutely not. We own seven stocks. They're publicly disclosed. <laughs> I guess Lowe's takes Visa and MasterCard. Okay. Um, 
but uh, so does uh, restaurant Burger King, um, you know, uh, use the payment system. But, we, you know, I have no economic involvement here whatsoever. Zero. And, you know, I've, it's unfortunate uh, that I can't actually advocate on behalf of something that's, you know, the benefit of humanity without, without people assuming I have some side interest. As you know, we gave up short selling a number of years ago. And actually, if I could do it all over again, we would have run the Herbalife campaign without having an economic interest and the company would have been bankrupt and the victims would have been protected a long time ago. You know, unfortunately, if a short, if a short seller has an economic stake, people assume what they say is not true. So in this case, absolutely no economic interest whatsoever of any kind, period. And you don't intend to? I have no interest whatsoever. Um, Lila, help us with this also uh, from a disclosure perspective. Um, as I was reading uh, about you uh, in the context of, of, of this case and the work that you've been doing, uh, there have been critics uh, who have called uh, Trafficking Hub, which is the group that you work for, uh, an abolitionist endeavor related to a Kansas City church uh, called the International House of Prayers that's trying to reframe conservative ideas of sexual purity. This is from an article in Vanity Fair. And I, I just wanted to put that on the table so that everybody who's, who's listening to this understands your history as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I would respond to that by saying it's absolutely untrue. The Trafficking Hub movement is supported by 600 organizations around the world. Sex workers and those in the porn industry have been vocal supporters. The queen of porn, the most famous porn star of all time, has been very vocal in supporting. We have 2.2 million uh, people who have signed the petition to shut down Pornhub and hold its executives accountable from 192 countries. Um, and this is not about legal consensual pornography. This is about sex crime scenes masquerading as pornography on the world's largest porn sites. And this is in the interest of the porn industry itself. So we're not out here to uh, you know, put an end to legal pornography. We're here to put an end to rape, filmed rape, child sexual abuse that's being monetized on mainstream pornography sites, namely Pornhub. Lila, we're talking about Visa right now, but one of the questions invariably that comes up is, where is MasterCard on this? But also, what about uh, the internet service providers that effectively allow access for the public to get to these sites and what kind of culpability, accountability you think they should be held to? Absolutely. Listen, MasterCard is still doing business with MindGeek as well. And I've been in touch with their executives um, in the same way. The CEO, the former CEO recognized child pornography on the site, uh, child sexual abuse material, uh, and they stopped doing business for a time. They have reinstated their uh, business with the advertising arm of MindGeek, which is how they make 50% of their revenue. And I would just say that, you know, I've spoken, the top executives, management level executives at MindGeek have come to me and they have told me the only thing that they're concerned about, the only thing that can make them change the way that they do business to halt this kind of exploitation is the credit card companies. That is their main concern. And that is why Visa and MasterCard have the most power. They have more power over the situation than government legislation. The moment that they enact policies that require age and consent verification for every person in every video, immediately this company will fall in right. line. Um, and so I think hey, that their power in right. all of this is extremely, extremely important. Hey, Bill, uh, two things real quick. Where do you think the line should be? I know this, this case is narrow, but there are questions about what kind of liability Visa or MasterCard would be otherwise held to in other circumstances. 
you know, if there was a bar that routinely was, uh, you know, providing drinks to underage kids, for example, or to uh, over-serving people, and they were routinely uh, creating drunk driving uh, issues, for example, um, should they be held to account? We talked about guns, other things. Where do you think the, the line should be for this? The line should be extremely narrow. Uh, I think that, you know, the payment system is a critical part of kind of global infrastructure and commerce. And uh, I think it's an extreme measure uh, when a uh, Visa or MasterCard shuts down a merchant. But if a merchant's business is fundamentally illegal, I mean, you know, actually, it's a pretty simple way to think about it. When, when online poker was illegal, and it's still illegal in various places, Visa and MasterCard didn't provide payment support for those sites. Pretty straightforward, right? When, uh, you know, if you have a site selling, you know, heroin and cocaine on the online, I guarantee you that MasterCard and Visa isn't providing payment support. And if you have a site where people are putting up videos uh, that of, uh, you know, where uh, children are being raped or anyone is being raped, by the way. And by the way, the site's also filled with adult unconsensual videos and rape and other problems. You know, on the most egregious front, you focus on the kids. Um, My focus here has been on, I mean, Visa and MasterCard are both culpable, um, but here we have a judge that's rendered decision against Visa, and it's very, very clear what the facts are. Read where the judge is coming from. I encourage everyone to read the decision. I I find it extraordinary that a company that really, I mean, Visa doesn't actually do very much, okay? Think about their business model. It's a brand, we've got some pipes, they authorize and uh, deauthorize merchants, and then they figure out which sports teams to sponsor. You know whether the Olympics, and they fight with Mastercard over that. I mean that's their a very fundamentally their business model. And so the thing right. they need to focus on, what the board needs to focus on, is their reputation right. Right? and regulatory right. risk. And by the way, let, let's not put aside the economic loss here for a second. Right? There's a case making its way through the courts now in federal court uh, where the victim is suing. And this is going to be a jury trial, okay? We're actually making sure, you know, unfortunately, you know, in many cases, you have a class action lawyer gets together a group of people. That's great for the defendant because they can settle the case pennies on the dollar. It's great for the lawyer because they can make a windfall. In this case, you've got a great law firm, Brown Rundick. You've got one plaintiff, their first test case, make its way through the courts. How do you think a jury is going to react here? Yeah, I would add that, you know, this is one plaintiff, but I have victims reaching out to me on a very regular basis, I've been in touch with hundreds. Right. And so Visa needs to realize the liability, the floodgates have been opened with this decision. And I guarantee you, you're going to see many lawsuits following right. this one. This is not the end right. for Visa. Cheese will be next. Lila, we are going to uh, press pause for a second and thank you. And uh, Bill, we're going to uh, come back with you after the break to continue a little bit of this discussion, as well as talk about the markets, inflation, uh, and what you think is happening next in our economy. Squawk Box coming right back after this. Thanks. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. 
sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You're listening to Squawk Pod, today with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. We are speaking this morning with Pershing Square's CEO, Bill Ackman. Uh, Bill, we also want to talk to you about the economy, the Fed, the state of the markets. You've also been uh, tweeting uh, recently. I should, I should say that I hope you're over COVID because I know you had said you had, had COVID and that's why you're spending so much time on Twitter. Uh, but uh, you've had a lot of very strong views about inflation and about where the, the economy is headed. What's your, what's your current take about the economy itself, but also where the stock markets are in terms of fairly valued or not? Yeah, I think the economy is actually quite strong right now. You know, the question is where it's going to be in six months and 12 months. Um, but, you know, we're at full employment. There are plenty of jobs available. You know, wages are going up. Um, you know, Howard Hughes, uh, company we own, is opening a, uh, a kind of food hall, the John George Food Hall uh, at the South Street Seaport. We've had to hire 600 people, and they've been working really hard to do it. We've only hired 350 people in the last you know, couple of months. So if you're looking for a job, there's a good one there. So I, I think the economy itself is very strong. I had the opportunity to see Jamie Dimon this weekend. And I apologize. I do. I still am a little congested from, uh, from COVID. And Jamie talked about, number one, this is the, the lowest default rate period in history uh, for the consumer uh, part of the bank. And that uh, they're... they're Full spectrum of people that they, you know, uh, poor to rich, that bank with JP Morgan and Chase and so on, uh, are in the best position they've ever been. So I think we've got, you know, well capitalized consumers for the most part, although I do think lower income people are getting a lot of pressure from higher gas prices, higher food prices, higher rental rates. Um, and I think the biggest problem for the economy is inflation. And inflation is roaring, it's continued to rage. And uh, unfortunately, the, the steps taken by the Federal Reserve. Have not uh, been effective. You know, since uh, you know June, the first seventy-five basis point increase, financial conditions have eased enormously. You know, stock markets up. You know, depending on market, uh, you know, 11 percent and more. Um, you know, the look at you know the two-year Treasury, which is a kind of good indicator of uh, kind of where Fed funds should be over the next eight quarters, is under two point nine percent. And uh, you know, with the Fed today at you know call it two and a half percent. Basically, the market's saying that the, the Fed, Fed funds will average only 40 basis points above the current uh, rate over the next uh, two years. And that implies really no financial tightening at all. Um, just at the last meeting, uh, Jerome Powell said you know, that the Fed was now comfortable that it had reached a sort of neutral uh, level of rates, uh, which, again, a fairly extraordinary statement right. in a a world with 9% inflation. So I think the problem and, is- And so what, what would yeah. you be advocating the Fed do then? I think the Fed has to be aggressive in raising rates, getting to a, you know, something probably with a, you know, high threes, four handle, checking in to seeing how things are going. But I think rates are going to have to stay mm, 4% plus for the foreseeable future, you know, 12, 18 months or so in order to, to kill this inflation. They may need to take rates higher. And uh, I think that's the, the biggest risk to the markets is that people are not pricing that in. Uh, and I think the uh, we need to, you know, the Fed has to take its foot off the accelerator. And when you can borrow money uh, based off a uh, you know, two and a quarter to two and a half percent SOFR rate, that's the 
you know, kind of base rate for, for borrowers and, and inflation is 9% and it's going to be persistent, certainly in the mid single digits for a long time, you borrow as much money as you can. And so the current prevailing level of rates is, you know, amping up the economy, which is why we are having uh, the inflation that we are having now, coupled Bill, with the other global factors, of course. Bill, do you like the CHIPS Act? Do you like the uh, the other reconciliation bill that Manson is backing? Does a lot of, you know, we think of the Fed, but a lot of times the Fed is just enabling uh, whatever administration, whatever Congress is doing, you know, they got to keep rates low. They get, they're, they're sort of like partners in crime, if you will, for at least, you know, in, in my view, for some of the, the profligate spending that goes on. Do you, do you like either one of those pieces of legislation? Yeah, I think there's merit to what you say. I think what got us into this mess was an extra couple trillion dollars of stimulus uh, that was intended, you know, and unfortunately, when a, when a new regime comes into power, they want to do something for the people that, you know, elected them, right? And here, you know, it's very, very easy when you control the Congress and it's a new administration to spend money. And uh, unfortunately, two trillion that was spent led you know, was the uh, you know the extra fuel that caused the extreme inflation. And the extreme inflation is actually affecting people uh, who who are uh, you know the Biden administration was trying to help, I think, through that stimulus package. So it's got to be very cautious about adding more. Uh, fiscal stimulus at a time like this. You know, the CHIPS Act, again, I haven't read these in detail, um, but I feel like the chips industry, you know, they've got some very well capitalized, very well run companies. Do they really need $50 billion? I'm sorry, whatever the number is. Yeah, $50 billion. A lot more than that. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. That, yeah, it's, it, 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 when you heard it was called the anti-inflation bill, did you? I mean, I, I, I sort of get insulted with, with, with that. I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not, a, not the not smartest a, guy, but uh, really, that's, that's what you're going <laughs> to... You know, I think American people are smarter than that. You know, often when they entitle a bill, um, <laughs> you should you should read the reverse. I mean, I, I do think it will add to inflation, and we're helping we're helping people who um, I don't think need the help. I think every U.S. chip manufacturer uh, or global chip manufacturer, you know, if I were Taiwan Semiconductor, I want to have as much of a presence in the United States as possible uh, in light of the geopolitical situation. They don't need an extra incentive to come here. American companies don't need the extra. Uh, incentive. Look, I think government incentives and, and stimulus can be very powerful and can be helpful, uh, but you got to be very, very thoughtful about it, particularly at a time of raging inflation. Hey, Bill, you said that you didn't think that the risk was being properly uh, accounted for, if you will, by investors. Uh, can you describe to the extent you've put on uh, some kind of positions to try to mitigate that risk? Sure. So if you think about our business, you know, we're, we have the simplest and most transparent strategy in the world, right? We own, we're more than 100% long, some really great companies like Hilton and Lowe's and Chipotle. By the way, another evidence of how the economy is doing, look at how those businesses are doing. Pretty much every company we own is putting up, you know, phenomenal uh, results. So we're very happy being long America, owning great companies. Um, we have an interest rate hedge in place, which we've had in uh, various forms of in place beginning in uh, December of 2020 because of our concerns about about rates uh, smaller today than it was uh, sort of back then. But our our you know, implicit bet is that short rates are going to go have to go higher than the market is pricing in. So we we have a, a bet, if you will, uh, our hedge, if you will, that pays off as the two year rate uh, goes higher. And we also have a uh, a hedge uh, where uh, if 30 year rates you know, remain and go higher than people expect, you know, the on the, the rate on the 30 year treasury, uh, we also profit and our that's kind of a, a hedge against the hedge. If the if the Federal Reserve doesn't do the right thing and raising rates quickly, you know, the inflation is going to become very persistent. 
and it's going to affect how people think about about uh, you know long-term uh, interest rates. I think we're headed toward a period of persistently higher uh, uh, rates. You know, I, I mentioned in one of my tweets, uh, one of our companies. You know, I had a board meeting recently, and the accounting firm, which, which will remain nameless, uh, upped their rates year on year. This is for a global major business, six percent, and they said. In, I've never actually seen this in my in years serving on boards of directors. They described five percentage points of the six as due to inflation, uh, wage inflation, and otherwise. And so, if you think about accounting firms contractually building in a five percent increase for inflation, there's another one percent for a change in scope in the in the agreement in the assignment. Well, that's going to be certainly persist for the year of the contract. But every business, you know, seeing this in you're seeing this in wage agreements, you're seeing this in union agreements. Totally right. in the price they have to pay for their their workers. So we think the wage inflation spiral is underway. We think uh, you couldn't have it more in the mind of every consumer in America of every income level. The impact that inflation is having on them, the sticker shock when you go into the supermarket and you want to buy an avocado, and yes, the, the organic ones are you know some crazy price, and so you you, know, you, you trade down if you will. Right. Um, but it is it is the greatest threat uh, to the economy, and, and so I, our view is if the Fed is aggressive on short term rates, uh, another interesting fact I'll mention, you know, on this GDP uh, sort of number, uh, G, uh, people talk about GDP on a real basis. So when the deflator, that is the inflation factor, is something approaching nine percent, in order to have positive right. GDP growth, you got to have nominal spending, nominal growth in excess of nine percent. It's almost impossible. So what's interesting is. As inflation comes down in the next couple of quarters, and I think it will, it could come down you know, a couple hundred basis points or whatever, that will actually, if nominal spending growth continues at what we expect it to, you're going to start to see positive real GDP growth again. And so clearly right. not a recession. So I totally right. agree that we are not in a recession right now. And if we are smart about how we manage interest rate policy, right. we kill inflation and the economy can continue to succeed. If we continue the way we're on, we have a major, major economic problem. Bill, uh, we want to thank you for joining us uh, for this lengthy conversation. Uh, We appreciate your perspective on all of it, for bringing this visa issue to our attention. Uh, Before we go, and just very quickly, because I just want to make sure, I know we'd gone through the disclosures around stock, uh, but somebody had just asked uh, whether you are financing or plan to finance any of the lawsuits against uh, visa in the future or other credit card companies, either charitably or otherwise. And I just wanted to put that on the record if I could. Yes, today we've done nothing. Uh, just yesterday, I had a conversation uh, with uh, Michael Bowie, who's the lawyer uh, at Brown Rudnick. And they've been, this has been a, uh, I asked them how they've been financing the litigation. They've gotten some money uh, from some charitable organizations, and he's working on a contingency. And uh, I have offered to help. And so I expect we, will, we want uh, the victims here to have counsel that's not incentivized to settle, if you will, uh, because we think there needs to be major, major, first of all, I think there's an example to be made here. And two, uh, I want the number to be very, very large numbers. Uh, I want this thing to get to a jury trial. I want the jury to hear the fact, I want the jury to hear about right. the dialogue with the CEO of, of Visas and the CEO okay. of MasterCards and what was- Fair enough. This. So, I'm, so I, we're going to finance, we're, I've offered to finance this uh, litigation philanthropically you know, whatever, whatever it takes. Right. And we're working at the, we're going to work out the details. So yes, okay. they will have uh, a fierce, well-financed advocate that will not be forced to settle a case. Bill, uh, thank you again for joining us. Appreciate it very, very much. Joe? Sure. Okay, Andrew, I, he, he said his, the judge was so conservative. I would like him, Andrew, to say, so that, and the judge made the right move. So I guess he's saying that he agrees with, with me that 
that's the person to get to for the right decisions on these things, Andrew. Did, is that sort of what you heard? You know, that because he's conservative, he's probably right. Is that is that how you read what he was saying? The Not judge is conservative, just, and therefore just, he... That's what I heard. That's what I heard. So he must really be a good judge and one that we can actually rely on a decent opinion from was what I, I don't know. That's just, a, a judge that's just that what all I heard. Sides can agree, a judge that all <laughs> sides may be able to agree with, except for maybe Visa. That is the podcast for today. Please let us know what you think. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can rate Squawk Pod or write a quick review. You can do all of that on your phone, and it does help other people find Squawk Pod. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and listen to Squawk Pod anytime. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 